The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. Hope to have another informative program for you with some great guests and uh, some good handicapping going on. Uh, not sure if a lot of you are still licking your wounds from Orb uh, down at uh, Pimlico. Even if you didn't have them on top, you probably had them somewhere in your top three, no matter what uh, uh, kind of wager you were making. Uh, so uh, what can I say? You know, uh, Suge was not uh, crying in his beer. Uh, basically, as far as Orb was concerned, he felt that the horse made a really nice move there, moving up on the backstretch, was probably right where he wanted to be. But exactly why he didn't fire through the lane, that's going to be a question for history. Of course, uh, he did draw the one hole. He was in a bit of a box most of the way. Probably took a substantial uh, hit of, of, of dirt uh, to his body. So he's kind of, unlike the Derby and, and several of his other races, if you watch them, when he won, it was uh, usually a sweeping outside move, and Rosario had him uh, placed towards the outside, probably was not eating as much dirt as, as he had to in the Preakness. But once again, we see just how hard it is uh, to win the Triple Crown. And uh, according to Suge's own words, he would not, trade the way that the triple crown trail is run as far as where it's spread the distance of the races uh, a great horse has to be a great horse well uh, just to give you a heads up on who we're going to have we're going to have a guy that knows a lot about great horses and that's uh, frank mitchell uh, who's an outstanding uh, bloodlines uh, observer writer uh, he also helps in the purchasing of, of horses at the sales uh, he's the author of uh, Racehorse Breeding Theories and a book that was out quite a while ago called Great Breeders and Their Methods. Uh, the Hancocks, of course, we know they were directly involved in, in the Kentucky Derby on a couple levels. And uh, he also writes uh, for, the, for the Daily Racing Forum, and, and he's got a great blog called Bloodstock in the Bluegrass. I suggest you jot that down. We'll mention it again when we get Frank on. So Frank Mitchell is going to talk a little bit about the classic winners and maybe who can get that Belmont distance, something none of us ever know because those horses will probably never run a mile and a half again, and they never have before. Then from the Blood Horse magazine, he's been on with us before, excellent handicapper, uh, Frank Angst. We're going to get Frank's read on the American classics this year, and uh, then we're going to do some handicapping on uh, the the. Races are going to take place on Saturday. Of course, this being Memorial Day weekend, we're going to get to see some great races, uh, particularly out of New York, uh, where, uh, let's see, they're going to have uh, the Acorn Stakes, 
This race has been run since 1931, and just some unbelievable uh, mares that, when I become great brood mares, came out of this race. Uh, a bowl of flowers is, is one that comes to mind. Shoe uh, V, Chris Everett, and of course you'll uh, remember a horse that's uh, in the pedigree of or by the name of Ruffian. Then you had uh, Dearly Precious. The 70s were very strong for the acorn. Uh, Devon Adele, Bolden Determined. Maybe I'm showing my age. Some of you out there might not remember some of these horses. But getting a little bit closer to the modern time, uh, you know, we've had horses like uh, Sky Beauty get the job done in the acorn. So uh, that's going to be coming up on uh, Monday. Hopefully a lot of you will be off work and you'll be at a racetrack near you. And then coming up, of course, the Metropolitan Handicap, a one-mile race that has produced some of the greatest horses ever in racing. Uh, going back to, uh, to Equipoise in the 30s, of course, Devil Diver, uh, who I believe carried the silks of Calumet Farm, reeled off three straight Mets in a row in 43, 44, and 45. Uh, the sensational Native Dancer won this race. Bald Eagle, Eagle. Uh, the weight-carrying Kelso, uh, Carryback, Gunbow. Uh, the list just goes on and on. Another back-to-back winner uh, was Forgo. And uh, the, the, the list of horses that have come out of the Met Mile are, are just fantastic. Of course, in more modern time, we had uh, Ghost Zapper and Tisway uh, come out of the race. And then we have the uh, Ogden Phipps Handicap. I'm sure this had a different name going back a ways because the race started in 1960. But, again, a lot of great horses came out of this one. Uh, Sightseek, uh, Champion of Shadow, Life at Ten. Won, won the Ogden Phipps. So uh, a trio of big races is going to happen uh, at Belmont over Monday. But, again, Frank and I, we're going to be handicapping uh, races. They're going to be coming up a little bit closer to you on this weekend. We're going to go to Arlington Park for the Grade 3 Arlington Classic. That is for three-year-olds going a mile on the 16th. And then we'll go to the girls' version. Uh, they actually stretch out. They go a mile and an eighth. None of these horses have won a mile and an eighth in the Arlington Matron. That's a Grade 3. Uh, then uh, we will go to uh, Belmont Park and uh, try to handicap the Grade 2 Sheepshead Bay. I'm not sure how weather is going to affect this. As you saw, some bad weather headed into the East Coast today. This race is scheduled to go a mile and three-eighths on the turf. A very interesting field there. And then hopefully we'll get a chance to go out to Hollywood Park. Again, another turf race, and that would be the American Handicap. Bob Baffert's going to put drill in there, and I'm still scratching my head, uh, questioning uh, the one-mile distance and questioning turf Drills only had one turf race, and that was an unsuccessful event. So that's what's, uh, that, that's what's coming up in the show. Let's take a look uh, at the, the, the world of racing. Um, good news is Orb returned to the track, and Suge McGahee said he was very pleased. Now, this will be the 145th running of the Belmont Stakes, and nobody's dodging anybody. They are expecting a big field to come in here, and uh, it looks like everybody's hoping to to claim that third jewel, the Triple Crown, the Test of Champions. So uh, McGay, he said he was pleased. Uh, The the horse uh, galloped around, looked really good out there, and he says, if all things goes well, we'd like to go to the Belmont. 
And it uh, looks like it's also going to include Oxbow, the Preakness winner, and we'll take charge. will be a couple of the Lucas entries. And uh, the stakes coordinator, Andy Burns, he says other ones that you're expecting are the Peter Pan winner, uh, Freedom Child, uh, Giant Finish, who competed in the Derby, uh, Derby second place finisher, Golden Sone. And then uh, Todd Pletcher contingent, is uh, he's going to take another shot, just like he did in the Oaks. He's going to have a slew of horses in there. Could be revolutionary, overanalyzed, Palace Malice. Uh, and then uh, Mike Rapoli wants unlimited budget in there. Uh, and uh, third in the Kentucky Oaks, Micromanage and Midnight Taboo are under consideration. And it looks like Baffert. Uh, might come in with Code West and Power Brokers. So uh, the Belmont uh, not scaring everybody off. You Now that Orb has been toppled, people would love to win that third jewel of the Triple Crown. Again, a mile and a half, the last and the longest of the Triple Crown. You just don't know who can go the distance. But let's face it, the Preakness, uh, while a lot of people were banking on Orb, what a day for two Hall of Famers in both Gary Stevens and D. Wayne Lucas. Now, the Preakness victory marked the 14th in a Triple Crown race for D. Wayne Lucas. He broke the record that he shared with the legendary Sonny Jim Fitzsimmons. Fantastic. And remember this, folks, Lucas is 77 years old. That still doesn't make him the oldest trainer to win the Preakness. Uh Fitzsimmons was 82 when he won the race with Bold Ruler in 57, but... Gary Stevens at 50 did become the oldest rider to win the Preakness. Uh, he beat Eddie Nelson, who won 72 on BBB. He was 45. So just a, a great story, and we we're so blessed uh, months ago to have uh, uh, Gary on the show when he was returning to the saddle, and he was hoping he would return at the very top end of the business, and obviously within just a few months, he, he, he's already won a triple crown race, so so hats off to him. And again, hats off to Suge, because he really took the high road. You know, he said that, you know, winning the Derby was his lifetime dream, and he won it. Uh, he would have loved to won the Preakness and taken it to another level, uh, but uh, he, he agreed, too, that uh, Orb uh, just uh, never could get it outside, and he's still kind of puzzled with his run. He looked like he was in the right position and thought that uh, he was hopefully going to get the job done. So uh, if for some reason Orb does skip the Belmont, now, we again, he had a, a good go around the track today, uh, we'll probably just look for him up, up at Saratoga. And, again, uh, it looks like uh, uh, Pletcher is going to have just a slew of horses in that race. Before we get to some of the race results, just uh, uh, news about the Preakness. It, it drew 9.7 million viewers, the highest Preakness rating since 2009 when the girl got all the attention, Rachel Alexandra. Uh, on the not-so-good news side, as, as most of us know, we've been attached to the television this week, uh, the Oklahoma tornado. Right now it looks like it killed at least 150 horses. Uh, there were several community farms on the southern border of Oklahoma City, including both thoroughbred and quarter horse farms. Um, a lot of thoroughbreds and quarter horses based at Celestial Acres Training Center. And uh, so the number has gone up to 150. At first it was recorded to 100. Um, and uh, obviously our, our feelings go out for, for anybody involved, even in Texas, uh, 
Tom Durant's farm was hit. Of course, Durant's the all-time leading owner at Lone Star Park near Dallas, and he had significant damage uh, to his farm. So I guess it's, it's been a very good effort on everybody's part is trying to, to help out with the horses that, that have remained and, and are injured. So, um, again, our, our hearts, uh, first of all, go out to those that had the loss of human life, life but uh, certainly we'll be rooting for the horsemen um, and the horses that were hurt. Hopefully they'll all be able to come back. Let's take a look at some of the major races uh, that we looked at last week with Tom Law. Of course, we started out at Pimlico with the black-eyed Susan, and I told you about one of my favorite angles, <laughs> and Steady Eddie Meyer, I'll tell you about this. I love when there's an equipment change and a horse has a bullet work, and that's exactly what showed on the past performance lines of 50 Shades of Hay. Uh, got the job done was six at the half-mile pole. Obviously, the blinkers didn't put too much speed in her, and uh, the daughter of Pulpit uh, got up by a neck over Marathon Lady, who led by three and a half into the stretch. Looked like Marathon Lady was going to get it done. It was pretty much a two-horse race. It was four and a half lengths back to toasting in the Black Eyed Susan. That's pretty much the girls' version of the Preakness Stakes. And then in the uh, Pimlico State uh, Special, a race that has a lot of history in its own right, uh, the winner was the one that uh, Tom and I both liked, uh, at 7-5, to five, though, it was last gunfighter and uh, was just so dominant. The horse had won five in a row, now make it six, went off at odds on, and easily won by four and a quarter lengths over eight too fast to catch, who uh, was the morning line favorite originally, and the third spot was the five Richards kids. So uh, those those are the bigger races on, uh, on Friday, and then uh, on uh, on Saturday, a slew of stakes races, but we're we're coming up to run out of time here. But uh, just just point out a few of the winners: a pianist upset winner uh, in the Gallaret, the Grade Three Gallaret, with Mike Smith on board, went wire to wire in that mile and a sixteenth turf test. And then in the Grade Three Maryland Sprint Handicap, it was Johnny V getting home with Sage Valley. Went five wide and just drove to a two-and-a-quarter length win. The favorites ran one, two, three. If you played the, the program picks, your trifecta paid $63.80. And then in the Dixie Stakes, well, I guess you could call this the Preakness Stakes preview because it was Sky Ring, a long shot of D. Wayne Lucas's owned by Calumet Farm, getting up, going wire to wire, held on a beautiful ride by Gary Stevens. And like the Preakness Stakes, Suge McGahee had the favorite in that race and uh, failed to hit the board. So uh, that they took that inertia, Gary Stevens and D. Wayne Lucas, and, of course, put it right into the Pimlico. Oxbow, wire to wire, on top by three into the stretch and held him off after some very nice rating by Gary Stevens. Oxbow gets the job done over a racing-wide It's My Lucky Day and seven-wide My Loot. Uh, it's my lucky day, probably not going in the Belmont, and a decision will be made by Tom Amos soon about my loot. Um, we are uh, going to take a little bit of a break here on Winning Ponies, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to bloodline expert Frank Mitchell. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball, deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now is bloodline expert uh, Frank Mitchell, I actually have a copy of his book, Great Breeders and Their Methods. Actually, I had one of my photos in that book, believe it or not. And uh, he, he's been writing uh, Bloodlines columns uh, for the Daily Racing Forum for about 15 years. And he's had articles in the Thoroughbred Daily News, uh, what used to be the Thoroughbred Times and the Thoroughbred Record, uh, the International Thoroughbred. And uh, as, uh, as I stated earlier, uh, do yourself a favor and uh, – You'll find some of Frank's stories on the Pollock Report, but uh, go to Bloodstock in the Bluegrass uh, for some really nice stories uh, written by Frank. Frank, you're with us now? Yes, indeed. Very good. Hey, if if you would, for our listeners, uh, tell them a little bit about uh, how you got attracted to racing, and in particular, uh, the study of pedigrees. I I started off uh, very young, young and impressionable, and... uh, got hooked on uh, watching the Triple Crown with... Uh, when we used to have winners? Pardon? When we used to have winners? When we used to have winners, indeed. And uh, <laughs> watching watching horses uh, that were short, uh, short price favorites and long shots like Dust Commander and uh, favorites like Personality and High Echelon that nonetheless skated into... To victory, and then of course, of course, of course, who really set the hook was Secretariat. Absolutely, for so many people in the game, really. Uh, yeah, I mean, Secretariat changed the momentum of the game because of his personality and the the quality of his connections and the things that he was able to do on the racetrack, and it was a, a perfect situation to attract new, fresh fans, and it did by you know tens of thousands. 
And then how did you get involved in the in the, uh, the, the the writing end of it? I got uh, once I got out of college, I had corresponded with a couple of the magazines, uh, and Tim Caps at the Thorbird Record made the mistake of uh, responding. I wouldn't say that. And uh, unleashed me on the unsuspecting public. Well, I've enjoyed reading reading your articles for for years and years. And what's neat about it is is it's it, it's so historic, its own right. Because once you read about one horse, it makes you want to go back and learn about his father or the great dance that they came out of. And then and then you you go back and you realize how much uh, tradition uh, and, and history there is or was, and I think is coming back. Um, I think it's kind of neat that uh, there has been so much uh, attention brought on the legendary Claiborne Farm uh, because of the influence of their stallions on this year's Kentucky Derby. Of course, you have to go back a couple generations. I think Mm -hmm. it's uh, very interesting that uh, while they don't wear the the devil's red anymore, that, that the words Calumet Farm are being put back on the map. And then when I look at the uh, rising of some of the young stallions and I see what they have done with uh, the resurgence of Spendthrift Farm, uh, to me it's very encouraging because those were just three iconic breeding farms from the Lexington area that, that seemed, to, seemed to be getting a, a second breath in the breeding industry. Can you expound upon that, and do you think I'm right? Oh, I think you are. Uh, what you know, a lot of what we see in breeding and other things, it tends to be cyclical. It'll it'll rise and fall over the years. And particularly for traditional operations like Claiborne and Calumet and to an extent Spendthrift, although it's under much different ownership than it was twenty years ago. Sure. Uh, the resurgence. Yes, indeed. And the, you see not only the, the rise and fall of fortunes, but of, of particular individuals and then the, the evaluation of horses in their programs uh, comes and goes. Like uh, the male line of certain stallions is, is good for usually no more than two or at most three generations. You'll find a stallion like Hyperion who will be a leading sire, sire some leading sires, and then, for the most part, his sons don't. And you found that with um, Calumet's success. They got a leading sire in Bull Lee, who was the son of a leading sire. And for the most part, Bull Lee's sons were not very good, well, or they were no better than average as stallions. And Claiborne was able to buck that trend for, oh, my goodness, decades because, you know, they, they bought and brought over Nasrullah, who was the son of leading sire Niarco. And then, bang, they got his best son, Bold Ruler, to stand at stud for the Phipps family's Wheatley Stable. And the sons of Bold Ruler were pretty darn good, all in all. But they were not as good as Bold Ruler. And uh, so the once once you got past the sons of Bold Ruler, the, the line took a little bit of a hiatus, just a little trough in terms of its uh, classic success and overall dominance. And you saw 
a couple of lines, Northern Dancer and Raisin Native, come on big time in that absence of the bold rulers. Right. Or, yeah, every, 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 all of a sudden everything was Northern Dancer. Everything is Northern Dancer. And then, you know, you get Northern Dancer and his son Stormbird and his son Stormcat, and then kind of looking down a, a precipice again. Now, not not saying anything bad about Taylor the Cat or uh, Giant's Causeway. It's just, you know, compared to the effect that Stormcat was having on the breed, his sons are having less of an effect. Well, and, and again, and now... And, and uh, a gentleman that I, I got to spend a little bit of time with who I absolutely loved was Leon Rasmussen. And mm-hmm. it refers back to something you said earlier. He says, the breed kind of breathes in and it breathes out. Uh, and it's almost kind of like uh, inbreeding and outcrossing. It, it breathes in and, and it breathes out. But now all of a sudden, uh, when, when you go back to a bold ruler, a bold Nisian, Seattle slew, little bit of a lull there, but what about the, the impact that AP Indy is having on the sport right now uh, th- through his sons? AP Indy has really been the resurgence of the bold ruler male line in the classic scene. I mean, it's, it's had some strong points scattered around the breeding establishment over the years, and certainly... Um, Seattle Slew's sire, Bold Reasoning, would have been an extremely good sire, but he only got to sire like a crop and a half before he died, and but he did leave a Seattle Slew. And Slew won the Triple Crown and was a very good stallion. Um, not perhaps as much of an earth moving stallion as uh, he was a racehorse, but still a very, very good animal. And he got AP Indy, who was uh, just a little more solid individual as a stallion, more consistent, and has been a a truly classic influence for the breed at a time when it needed that. And as you're saying, that that sense of cycle or breathing in and out and inbreeding and outbreeding, he was AP Indy was coming along at a time when there was so much speed and so much power and precocity in the in the breed from Stormcat, from Mr. Prospector and other forces that he really was a much much valued resource to breeders. And of course, most of what you're seeing in his sons is related to crossing AP Indy onto Mr. Prospector. Well, what's interesting is is just just the impact he's had in the last couple of weeks. I mean, yeah. he, he you know, uh, Orb is by Pulpit. Uh, the Black Eyed Susan uh, Fifty Shades of Hay is by uh, uh, just is by I'm sorry, is by uh, Pulpit. Orb's by Malibu Moon, and the winner of the Oaks is by Majestic Warrior. Uh, all sons of AP India, it, it's phenomenal. And what's great is he was being—he was a Belmont winner. We talk so much about how the American breeding has just slipped into a world of speed, and it's kind of neat that a, that a horse that had enough stamina uh, to win the Belmont Stakes is is now becoming a sire of sires. And I'm just wondering—I I don't know if, how much homework you've had to do, or if you're doing any stories on the Belmont Stakes. Um, is, is there anybody in the Belmont field that you feel? Uh, has the ability to go a mile and a half? Well, I 
think that both of the current classic winners, Orb and Oxbow, the O-Boys, um, <laughs> both are, are classic kind of horses. I mean, they, they can go 12 furlongs. Uh, and I think they, they go about it getting there differently. But, and they have very different running styles. But they, I think there's no question that both of them will be running at the end of 12 furlongs. And what's great, too, Frank, is what we talked about earlier about uh, the, the tradition of the farms we've been talking about. And to think that both of these colts are trained by longtime Hall of Famers, I think it just adds to the story. Oh, it does. And then you've got the, the new guys coming in, your Tom Amos's and so forth. I mean, not that Tom Amos is a new guy, but he is relatively uh, on the national stage of people placing and running in the Triple Crown races. He's relatively a fresh face. But again, I think he came up under Frankie Brothers, who came up under Jack Van Berg. Again, we trace trace legends. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and I just think it, it, it's a neat thing. And, you know, I, I know so much of your job is, is, is tracing history. I just think mm-hmm. this year in particular we're, we're able to connect a whole lot of dots back to some great people and some great farms. Yes, indeed. And it's, uh, it's a year when we've seen the horses with the sires with uh, real credentials like Malibu Moon and Awesome Again, the sire of the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness winners. Uh, I mean, before those two classic races, anybody would have put those two stallions in the top ten in the country anyway. And here they have come through this year and knocked out a classic winner, and it just makes them shine that much more brightly. Well, uh, Frank, all I can tell you is as somebody who, like you, kind of fell in love with uh, with bloodlines and breeding and, and pedigrees, I, I did on a local level get to write for the Racing Forum for a while. Uh, I, I really appreciate uh, your appreciation of the sport, and, and I thank you for your time. And, again, I, I want to tell our listeners, I gave this out three times, and I want to give it out again, uh, Frank Mitchell, Bloodstock in the Bluegrass is where you go. Frank, before we go, is there any other place where people can go to read your writing? Uh, you can also tune into uh, a couple of uh, zines. Sid Fernando has a zine uh, where he collects uh, the writings around the breeding and racing blogs and publishes them daily. And it's it's a very good place to, to check in, as well as uh, some of the enix.com sites that uh, he works on out there. Great, great. Well, um, I, uh, my, my time is up here, but uh, if, trust me, if, if you'll be kind enough, I'd love to have you back on the show again because I, I find the, the, the breeding side of this game fascinating, and I think you're one of the best people that, that has the hand on the pulse. Pleasure to be here. Anytime you have a question, drop me a note. All right, Frank Mitchell, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a little bit of a break here on Winning Ponies, and we come back, we're going to be with writer and handicapper extraordinaire Frank Anks.
your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john Engelhart. got a tip for us need a tip from us if you want to talk with john or his guests the phone lines are now open toll free at 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com now back to winning ponies with john Engelhart. All right, and with me right now, he's been on Winning Ponies before. I, I've known him as, as, as a friend on the back stretches of uh, tracks, mostly in Kentucky. Uh, he's a good handicapper, an excellent writer. His name is Frank Angst. Uh, first got to meet him when he was with the now-defunct Thoroughbred Times, but as valued as a writer as he is, the Blood Horse was quick enough to snatch him up. So we've got Frank Angst from the Blood Horse with us right now. Frank, how you doing, my friend? Pretty good. Thanks for the kind intro, John. I appreciate it. Well, all, all of it true. All of it true. Well, um, you know, we got uh, two-thirds of the Triple Crown o- over. You know, just talking to Frank Mitchell, and, and you as a writer, you've got to be eating this up. I mean, there's some really great storylines. First of all, of course, we I think all of us in the game would have loved to have seen Orb go for a triple crown, but it didn't happen. But the, the storylines are, are, are just are just great, and, and I think the writers got to be eating it up. Number one, you've got Orb and, and the tradition of the Phipps family, Suge McGahee, their connection with the Hancocks and Claiborne, and then all of a sudden you come up with the revival of uh, the legendary Calumet Farm, although under new ownership, and, and the fact that uh, – 77-year-old D. Wayne Lucas and 50-year-old I just came out of retirement Gary Stevens get the job done in the Preakness. I mean, you writers got to be having a field day with this stuff. Yeah, there's a couple guys that have been there before, right? I mean, it's just uh, 
you, know, you start with Shug, who hadn't had a whole lot of triple crown success, but of course everybody's familiar with the work that he's done with so many uh, great horses over the years. And then Wayne Lucas and Gary Stevens get right back into it in the triple crown by, uh, you know, that's the uh, one way you guarantee you don't get cut off is by going right to the lead and uh, nobody else decided to go with that horse that day. And, and Oxbow had shown that he's he's capable. He had been a capable horse, and uh, he delivered there in the Preakness. Uh, he, he absolutely did. And, you know, in, in the hands of Gary Stevens, just unlike the Kentucky Derby, uh, he was able to put in such a beautifully rated race, which shows the intelligence of Gary. And i got to know that, I don't know if he was able to look over the board or if he just sensed it, but when, when he went and won 13 and changed, I'm sure his heart and Oxbow's heart got awful big in that final furlong. Yeah. Well, in our, in our live blog going into that race, I didn't have a whole lot correct, to be honest. But uh, one comment that I, I gave to one of the readers who asked about Oxbow is he was one of the horses that battled for the dirty lead, and whereas about the other horses that battled for that lead all faded dramatically, Oxbow at least raced well to the wire and, and showed a good accounting of himself there. So if you liked what you saw there, it made a certain amount of sense to give him another chance in the Preakness. Absolutely. And um, what's great is, uh, as Frank uh, just just stated, uh, it looks like, all things going well for the, for the next two weeks, that there's a very good chance that we're going to see a rematch uh, between Orb and Oxbow. And obviously nobody's dodging these guys. Somebody wants that third crown and triple jewel. Uh, they're coming out of the woodwork to run in the Belmont. I mean, in terms of obviously people like to see that triple crown on the line, but in terms of a betting race, I think it's going to be a fascinating race. And, it looks. I suspect we will have our first two classic winners face each other if it, if everything goes right. Uh, Dwayne Lucas, of course, has just been immensely committed to the Triple Crown races, and he tries to run in every race. So um, that's been what he said is he uh, intends to do with Oxbow. So he looks pretty likely. And then Chug says that he also play if all goes well that he's leaning towards starting Orb at, in the Belmont Stakes which makes a lot of sense because that's where he's based at, and I'm sure he would love to win on what what basically is his home track. Absolutely. He'll be training on it. He's got the comfort of home. He's got the comfort zone. All the staff live nearby Belmont Park, so it's just so much more easy for them to, to get back into their groove. And you know, It was interesting, too, that uh, uh, Frank Mitchell, the bloodlines expert, uh, said that both of these horses have – legitimate bloodlines that say they can get a mile and a half. I completely agree with that. And uh, you guys talked a lot about the um, about the stallions in the first half hour, so no need to go back over that. But, of course, Orb's female side is just has classic pedigree after classic pedigree. And then you look at Oxbow, it's another big win for Steve Tizzy. Uh, she's just been a huge broodmare and, uh, just an incredible run by her, you know, tis now, painter, just uh, an incredible food mayor there. Um, again, you know, uh, we're going to lose some of the casual audience because it's not a triple crown. As everybody says, the biggest race in New York, 
every year is the Preakness Stakes. <laughs> it changes the whole way they're going to make reservations on, on Belmont Park Day. But nonetheless, it's going to be a very, very competitive event. Well, um, we've got coming up over the weekend uh, a lot of good races. It looks like some of the best races uh, are, are going to come up. Actually, on Monday, because a lot of people are going to have off for Memorial Day, um, I haven't had a chance to do too much homework on uh, the Metropolitan Handicap, the Ogden Phipps, or the Acorn. Uh, any uh, A-grade horses that uh, that you think we should take a look at in any of those three races? Yeah, John, it's been a busy week, and uh, I really just uh, have focused on the Saturday races to this point. So uh won't go out on a limb there. I know, I know those are going to be some... Uh, some great races as every as they are every year. Yeah, they will. Uh, again, I cited some of the winners in, in those races, and actually, they're they're, they're legends of, of racing history. Well, with that, let's let's try to give our listeners a, a winner or two while time allows, and uh, we'll start up in Chicago. Uh, we've got two races. We'll let the ladies go first. It's interesting that that the Arlington Classics a mile and a sixteenth, but the Arlington Matron is a mile and an eighth. And none of these Phillies have ever won at a mile and an eighth. So uh kind of gives us a, an interesting group to, to handicap with. And uh, luckily for a change, we see a field that's got more than, a, more than six horses in it. Uh, our friend Byron King has a lot of loving in there. Um, several horses that came out of the double dog there uh, might be some of the strongest uh, horses in there, and that would be Ice Cream Silence. Sisterhood and Lot Eleven, uh, but again, you've got a horse on the inside like Distorted Legacy, where Garrett Gomez is going to come in. This horse had a legitimate excuse uh, out of its last race. Um, I, I know you looked at this race. How did you look at it? Because I had a tough time separating these horses. Yeah, it's funny that you talked about that distance because uh, that's one thing that I looked at in my top pick, Distorted Legacy. I think she's going to like to to go a little bit further here on the gets back to the uh, gets back to the poly track which she actually started her career out on at Woodbine and she just has a tremendous amount of back class she's a grade one place I mean Hawaii is a grade one winner in here too so there are horses with quite a bit of class but I like the direction that distorted legacy is going um, she just seems to have been a steady kind of improvement since she's come back off the layoff this year and what I really liked was that last race just made a huge middle move, which really caught my eye, and uh, hopefully maybe that didn't catch too many handicappers' eyes because uh, it's five to one morning line, and I suspect she'll be go off at about that price. I think the morning line is probably pretty accurate, so we might hey, look at this field, you know, and she she's won uh, over four hundred thousand dollars, and the fact that she was steadied and blocked at the eighth pole still managed to hang on for the second spot. Uh, jockey switch to Garrett Gomez uh, sh- shouldn't hurt her. Um, yeah, at five to one, definitely a, a lot of value there. <laughs> one horse that's kind of interesting in here is uh, Who Why. <clears throat> Obviously, they've kept this horse in racing. She's a seven-year-old mare, fifty-one starts. Um, she finished second in this race last year. From my count, as far as back as my PPs go, she's had nine different tra- <laughs> nine different yeah. trainer switches. Over her, over her last, I'll say, dozen races, 
Uh, interesting horse. Again, not a whole lot of pedigree. She's out of a $3,500 stallion, but she's won over $1.2 million, and she is currently in full to a horse name I cannot pronounce. Leroy Asamu is the closest I can come. Uh, a lot of Panama. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you very much. But yeah, I mean, I remember I go back to uh, when she won a, a grade one down at uh, at Keeneland, I think three years yeah. ago. I mean, I love seeing horses out of thirty five hundred dollars studs win a million bucks. Yeah, I mean, she's just one thing that really fascinates me about who I is. I'm not sure that I've ever seen a horse change her running style more dramatically in terms of a top-level horse. I mean, when you go back far enough on the PT, she was strictly a run-and-gun type sort right to the lead. That's how she won her grade one at Keeneland on the front end. And she's figured out a new trick. Uh, she's now able to come off the pace. She's able to stay close. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the last race rallied from 7th at Tampa uh, to win a stake there. I would not have believed it a couple of years ago with who why. So she's been a fun horse to watch. Um, I wouldn't be too worried about the trainer changes. Um, if you notice uh, at that time there, Mark Hoffman, the owner, has, has been listed as the trainer. I I suspect he's largely handling this horse. Uh, uh-huh. And, and I, what I'm getting at is there's been consistency there. There hasn't been. Right, right. And I'm with you. It's kind of like, hey, yeah, I'm not going to Tampa. Can you take this horse for me? Uh, I'm not going to be in Calder. Can you? I put you down as a yeah. name trainer. I agree with you. But I, I think that's she's an iron on, horse. John. If, she's if one of the trainers corrects me on that, so be it. But I, I believe that's what's going on there. Yeah, I mean, but it's a pretty cool story. 51 starts, she's in full. And I will say, I've heard this from different breeders uh, over the years and owners, that there's something about a horse's first trimester when they're pregnant that they actually get an infusion of energy rather than like an eight, somebody that's into their eight month of carrying, you know, a, a child or a foal. That actually in the first couple of months, there's this infusion of, of energy, and they actually can run better. So I guess we'll, we'll find out in the Arlington Matron. Uh, I'm getting a look from my uh, producer here. Frank, we're going to take a, a, a quick little break, and when we come back, we're going we're gonna to try to power through the next three races if we can. We'll do our best. You're listening to Winning Ponies. <laughs> Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Internet flagship station for sports. 
Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. If I had a... All right, well, back here with Frank Anks from the Blood Horse, and the last uh, three races we're going to try to get to are all in the grass. Obviously, there's been a lot of weather situations. Not sure how that's going to affect this. Hopefully, they'll all, they'll all get in on the greensward. Uh, we uh, are going to go now to the boys up at Arlington in Chicago, a mile and a 16th, the, uh, the grade three Arlington Classic. It is uh, uh, restricted to three-year-olds, and uh, so it you just don't know how some of these horses are are going to go on the turf. Not a whole lot of turf experience. It's uh, to me, I think this is going to be an interesting betting race. I again, I don't handicap with odds, so I'm not really sure who's where what. Just to, to paint with a broad brush, of the horses I, I've been looking at is uh, Tom Proctor's a procurement that's shipping in from Santa Anita, an extremely consistent horse in its last five races, uh, two of those minor stakes races. And then there's a, a horse that, that had shipped in from Europe by the name of Yorkshire Icon that had a chance to go over the Arlington course, going yielding at a mile. Uh, this horse's name is Yorkshire Icon, who closed from ninth at the half-mile point to get up by a length and a quarter in what may have well have been a prep for this race. Two horses that, that, that caught my eye, and then, of course, there's a horse that just missed uh, in the Lexington Stakes down at Keeneland by the name of General Election. Again, and, and, and you've got Mike Maker and a Kitten's Joy. How many times have we seen these horses in the winner's circle uh, on, a, on a grass race over the last three years? So, Frank, those are some of the horses that kind of bubble to the top for me. I'll be interested in hearing who you like. And I, I landed um, a lot closer to home, actually. I landed on a horse named Four Dubai which, uh, to be honest, I'm worried that maybe I'm picking with my heart here. This this horse was part of a $94 Illinois Derby Exacta that I uh, ran into, <laughs> and it, it was the horse that actually liked to win the race. Uh, got 23 to 1, you were out there, race. baby. Yeah, and uh, I mean, what I, I mean, and as they, it is that time of year where trainers start to, hey, the Triple Crown races are kind of, you've either – decided to go or not to go there. So you're looking for all your options. And, and for Dubai did run on the turf uh, last year and won that race. And this is his first start back on the turf since then. And he's been improving each time out. He's got excellent connections. And I'm a little familiar with the female family. Uh, his half-brother was a name, uh, Fast Alex, was a fleet Alex horse that I really liked that had some success in Louisiana. And, and this horse is shaping up as another good one. Uh, I'm going to stick with him here. And I'll also, I forgot to mention the Kentisormo, the resurgent Kentisormo, uh, picks up the mount here. So that's a, that's a plus, I believe, as well. Yeah, Kent's kind of been in the shadows. I mean, he wasn't anywhere mentioned in the Triple Crown races, was he? Yeah, and I, I mean, I think he's, you know, his numbers have been down, and he, he's aware of it. And uh, I I have to credit Marty McGee largely. He did a great feature on Kent yes. in the Daily Racing Forum, and uh, yes, he did. Kent, uh, yeah, Kent's gone up to Chicago trying to revive his career, and so far it looks like he's working. The, the stats I have have him at twenty um, percent uh, for the meet, if I'm looking at that right. So, 
So he's had a nice start to Arlington meet there. Yeah. So for Dubai, Frank Yanks, Frank, I like again. I handicap without odds in front of me. What are that? Do you have that horse's odds? Uh, I have him at nine to two on the morning line. So uh, you know he's caught a few people's eye up there. That's for sure. Who who is who is the favorite in the Arlington Classic? Uh, I believe it's Procurement that she talked about. Who I have that horse as my second pick. They have him at four to one on the morning line. Uh, let me make sure I didn't overlook somebody. Oh, I'm sorry, Admiral Kitten is at three to one on the morning line. Well, again, well, I again, like you got to well. make he ran a really big match. closing move to win that yeah. last card. Hard to pass up after the amazing meet that that they just had to Keeneland. Okay, we'll try we'll try to uh, to move forward again. I know I'm uh, trying to put ten pounds in a five pound sack, and uh, it, it's the fifty fifth running of the Sheepshead Bay at Belmont. Uh, you got to admit you don't see many horses run a mile and three eighths on the grass. So it, it, it takes a horse with a lot of stamina, and what I see is uh, five of the eight horses in here started their careers in Europe, so, you know, odds are they were bred to go a distance on the weeds. Most assuredly, and I think I'm going to make my top pick, the morning line favorite, Hessonite, at 5-2. to two. He's a New York bred, which if you get a chance to watch his previous race, uh, when he finally, I mean, he's been... Very consistent winner against New York Preds, but he uh, stepped out and got his great three win in his previous start. And I think a lot of people didn't necessarily see it because it was on Derby Day. So if you go back and watch that replay, you will see a horse that's completely buried for 80 or 90% of the race. And when he finally gets out, it's just a very explosive move. Um, a bit concerned on the stretch out. He is going to be going longer against some horses that maybe look like distance specialists, but that explosive move, it really caught my eye, and I'm going to stick with him here. Um, one horse, and I, I'll, since I'm giving a morning line favorite, I'll give a long shot to go with him. And Jazz is at 15 to 1 morning line, which is surprising anytime you have a good dolphin racing horse uh, at such long odds. But he, he's kind of coming from some of the not the tracks that aren't as well thought of in Europe. But as we know, a good horse can come from anywhere. And uh, he's, I mean, his previous race um she i should say she obviously but her previous race was a, a very strong race at Gulfstream, and uh she made up a lot of ground there and i think she's going to like this distance on saturday all right we're putting uh frank angst feet to, feet to the fire here because i've only got about a minute left and we're going to go to the american handicap at hollywood park it's a mile on the turf only a half a dozen go into post my question here is, I don't usually question most things Bob Baffert does, but I'm kind of scratching my head with drill in here. Uh, this race at a mile, drill's basically a you know seven furlong and under horse, and the horse has never been on the turf, was on the turf one time and uh, didn't hit the board. Yeah, I, I mean, I suspect it's just a bit of a losing streak there, and maybe Bob's is trying, trying to do something to, to wake up a horse that has established itself as a good horse. Um, my top pick here, I didn't get uh, too crazy. I'm going with obviously, which maybe some might say is an obvious pick, although there's some strong horses in here. But just what really caught my eye is the horse is four for five at a mile. The one race that he did not win at this distance on the turf was the Breeders' Cup mile, where all he did was finish behind Wise Dan and Animal Kingdom and defeated everybody else. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, I've got a big star by this horse. He's an Irish bred, and quite frankly, you know, he'd been off since November. He came back. Uh, he got off a bit slow. It looked like Talamo pushed the button too much. 21-2, uh, and two, 
43 seconds. The horse just barely got beat by a half length. I think obviously is obviously the one to beat in the American handicap. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking with Frank Angst uh, from the, the Daily Racing Forum. No, from from the Blood Horse. Uh, and previously to that, we had Daily Racing Forum writer and uh, Bloodlines expert uh, Frank Mitchell uh, with us. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you'll tune in. Hope you'll tell your friends that they missed the show that they can pick it up on podcast because uh, all these horses are going to be racing this weekend. And you've been hearing from the experts. So I'm John Engelhardt. Thanks so much for listening to Winning Ponies. And remember, if you take a loved one to the racetrack, practice safe bets. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.